So today we have the pleasure of hearing from my friend uh, Josh Moon, who is a deacon at Church of the Cross. Uh, many of you know Josh Moon. You've heard him preach before. And Josh, it's, it's always a treat to hear from you. So I look forward to uh, hearing you open the word for us yeah. today. Thank you, Rick. You may be seated or else you're going to be standing a little while. Uh, I'm glad to be with you again this morning. It's a beautiful morning. I love the fall in Minnesota. I love everything but the winter in Minnesota. And my brother teases me that that's only about eight months of the year is the winter. So uh, I want to focus this morning especially on the text that we read from the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. It's a very famous text and for good reasons. The central verses in the middle of it, in Paul's original language, it's a very poetic, highly poetic reflection on the person and work of Jesus. It's often called the Carmen Christi, the hymn of Christ, one of the earliest hymns, perhaps, of the early church. But I don't want to think about the text. We could spend a lot of time in it, thinking about all the intricacies around it. I want to think more about the blunt point Paul is making when he cites this text. He is not subtle whatsoever. But I want to think about it with our eyes looked at our current political moment. So this is going to be a bluntly political sermon, and I don't apologize for that. I don't think the church ought to apologize for its care for the polis, the city, the community. But at least for this morning, what I want to do with that is to remind us of a particular posture that we should have with one another, in especially during our political moment. So it's a political text, a political sermon, meaning how, what posture do we take toward one another in light of our community. Now again, Paul's not subtle about his point. He's talking about do not let a grasping of power rip you apart. Don't let grasping for power rip you apart. Not as the church of Jesus Christ. The church in Philippi is tearing apart at the seams. It's a good imagery. This place where fabrics, two different fabrics or pieces of fabric come together and are supposed to be held together becomes the very point at which they rip apart. He names two women later in the letter who seem to have been at the center of the division, but at no point does he even give us a hint as to what exactly the issue is. Because frankly, he seems not to care. Now there are many things he does care about, so it gives us some hint as to what is not at issue. If you know the Apostle Paul or his writings at all, You'll know he was not shy to enter into controversy about a lot of things. Who Christ is, what Christ has done, the moral life of the church, as we would say. Or demanding unity. He enters into the controversy only in order to say, you need to have unity. It's some kind of application, a way of living out our working, our calling as the Christian church that is at issue here. 
it is probably a difficult subject, or else there wouldn't be so much invested that's starting to rip the church apart. Politics right now, some of you may know this, but politics is ripping things apart right now. Some of you may know that there's an election cycle on us. And when we think about our political life and decisions, this is the kind of thing we're talking about and having to do. Wrestling with a huge complex of issues, ways of speaking, navigating personalities and ideas, and trying to figure out what faithfulness looks like here. But politics, of course, is not the only area where we do this. All of us do it all the time. Parenting. <laughs> if any of you have experience of parenting, this idea, a complex, huge complex issues of ways of speaking, navigating per various personalities and ideas, and trying to figure out what faithfulness looks like, that's parenting, right? It's what you do at your work. It's what all of us do all kinds of places. And right now, it's pushing in the sphere of politics. We're not seeing churches, knock on wood, on the verge of splitting over parenting issues. But we are seeing it happen around politics. And here's my take on it. This is just me, not Paul is that Christians are giving too much to the idea of power and are swallowing a line that's being said a thousand times a day to us, that there is a power battle here and you must join the lists. Now, I love how Paul begins this section, right? If you look at the text there in the bulletins, if there is any encouragement here, right? <laughs> if you have any encouragement whatsoever in what Jesus has done for you, if you have any comfort at all in the fact that you are loved, if you have even a teensy bit of participation in this power of the Spirit, right? If there is among you any affection or any sympathy at all, right? You can hear them saying, oh no, Paul, I don't have any of that stuff, right? This is the church. Of course, he's painting them into a box, right? <laughs> That's what he's doing. I'm leaving you with no options here, but I'm going to pretend like you have them. <laughs> Your option is either say I have no comfort whatsoever in what the triune God has done for me, or I'm going to give myself to being of one mind. Those are the things Paul puts in front of the church here. If there is any encouragement, any comfort, any participation, then make my joy complete. So he throws in his own personal debt and be of the same mind. Same mind, same love, in full accord of one mind. That phrase, full accord, I love it. Uh, it actually, it's from two words, uh, soul and together. <laughs> Be sold together. Have your souls knit together in this. In the history of the text, some have argued that what Paul's actually trying to get them to do is, I want you to be in agreement about all these subjects that come up. If we all agree 
on immigration policies, on Supreme Court appointments, your views of those in authority or striving to be in authority, if you agree on the best ways communally to love neighbor or govern economics or on and on, you guys just figure it out and agree on it and then we won't have division, right? Well, obviously that's not what Paul is saying. For one, it's an absurdity. There's always going to be disagreements. For another, if he really cared about that, he would have just said, look, here's the answer. <laughs> Come to agree on it and move on. But he's not saying here that they should all come to agree about whatever subject it is. He's saying that they should all have one mind. It's a small difference between the two, but it makes all the difference in the world. It's not agree on the same things. It's have the same love, have the same mind. That same is the humility of Jesus Christ. That's the mind. That's the love. Have that one thing. All of you have that same thing. And that's what you need to remember, he's telling them. We're in a moment where power grabbing is expected to be, assumed to be an inescapable part of political, communal political life. Not only of those who have authority, but of those who have to choose a side. And you have to come over here or you have to go over there and at every point it's about this issue of power and grabbing it. You are to take power. You are to use power. Use what power you have. And failure to use your power is actually a moral failure in our moment. You let people down by doing it. You could have done so much more if you had grabbed the power that is yours or helped others to grab and use power. It's a way of speaking, a way of framing reality right now. Of course, social media has contributed to this. We talk about giving everyone a voice, giving everyone power and wielding it. But all of it is really, it's a very old idea. There is absolutely nothing new about anything that's being said or going on. Political figures have always thought of themselves as grandiose and very powerful. And there have always been people agog at, in the book of Revelation, the power of the beast, the power of authority, of political authority. It's just a modern variation on the theme. But this cadence of our political life, I don't know if you've picked this up, but it's not serving us well in being unified, in being humble, in loving our neighbor who may agree or disagree. Because if we frame life together around a conception of power, around who has it and who wields it, it will always serve towards division. It cannot do otherwise. I'm being told that you can't hear me. Is there a way to turn it up or is it just the airplane? Oh, just the airplane. I'm gonna try to say it again. It may be a little different coming out. <laughs> that the cadence of our political life is leading us away from peace, from unity, away.
Oh, they're used. To, you're used to this, to the pausing. All right, good. <laughs> but it's leading us away from peace, whether within ourselves or with one another, even within the church. Because if you frame life and your engagement of life around the conception of power, who has it, who doesn't, who wields it, who needs it, it will always lead to division. It is an inescapable necessity in this way of framing the world. Everyone trying to exert their will to power comes with, of course, the fear of losing power. It comes with what they call othering the other <laughs> and being afraid of them. And you have to have a category of who is them, afraid of them getting power. And so you rally people around because we need power. They, if they get power, and you bounce back and forth, and it's a zero-sum game very quickly, it will by necessity rip us apart. And Paul says here, don't you for a moment, as the church of Jesus Christ, buy into that way of framing the world. Don't for a moment buy into that way of framing the world. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, held onto. If you want to talk about power, that's pretty powerful, right? He did not even consider that a thing to be grasped. He was happy to empty himself. And that's where your eyes need to look. Where our eyes. Do not think of your own interests, but also the interests of others. If that's not the theological understatement of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf, uh, I don't know what is. Do not think of your own interests, the interests of others. Paul means us to live together in unity as the church of Jesus Christ. We actually don't get options here. We don't get to choose to be the Christian church that doesn't live in unity and humility with one another. That's not put in front of us. We're not to live in a kind of truce, but a unity. And that can only be had if we spend quite a lot of time remembering actively with our bodies, with our speech, actively remembering the humility of Jesus Christ toward us. I want you to imagine a scene in a church. We can imagine it here, but I, I want to take it uh, back to the days of yore when you could meet together in a building. Some of you may remember those days. But the church is gathered maybe for worship. And let's just say uh, in the prayers of the people, there's a line that somebody slides in that's taken as having a political tilt, a partisan tilt, we'll say. Whether it's meant that way or not doesn't really matter, does it? I want you to feel something of what the discomfort would come in that moment. The number of emails that Pastor Rick would get by the end of the week and over the next week 
and the people posting this or that on social media, and somebody has a Twitter account, let's just say. And all of a sudden, something goes on there. And pretty soon, the jargon, the words used on one side, used on the other, start getting thrown around. And Pastor Rick has to stand up. (laughs) Pastor Rick, where do we stand as a church on this? And neither side by this point can understand why the other is so gullible at best, hypocritical, and weak at worst. Maybe they're even wolves in sheep's clothing all of a sudden. We know there are wolves out there. Some of you tragically know the inner workings of a church that gets torn apart. And you know just how frustrating it is when all of a sudden it seems like people can't even hear each other. It's a long way from having souls knit together. Except let's say in this scene, it's happening, and you're a few weeks into all of this, and people are coming to church nervous. You can feel the tension when you walk into the room. Some of you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. And on this occasion, we show up, and I want to be there just because it would be great to be there. Because on this particular occasion, Jesus is there. (laughs) I don't know how we recognize him, But let's just say that we do, but we see him as emptied of his power and his glory as one who is equal with God. And he's there and he gathers us together and we're all standing there in the midst of all that tension and he comes and he washes our feet. And then he says to the two who are dividing, I want you to wash the other's feet. But Lord, whoever's closest to Simon Peter (laughs) in personality, but Lord, they're wrong. Peter, do you think I died for those who were just right? Do you think I died for those who are right? Maybe it's a bit direct. Friends, he says to us, what is it that you're afraid of? Are you afraid that on November 4th I won't be sitting on the throne? Are you afraid that my purposes will be thwarted? Caring deeply about some of the issues at play in our cultural moment is good. It is good to care deeply about things like justice, immigration, order, peace, love, And the list goes on. Those things are good things that we should care about deeply. And we have no option to say, I care about those, so I am going to look down on my brother or sister. Our calling laid on us by God himself is to live at unity around one thing together. The claim of Jesus Christ as King, who laid himself down for our sake. We can afford to disagree. 
We can afford to have others be wrong in our midst. We can afford, imagine this, ourselves to be wrong sometimes. But we cannot afford to join those who imagine the world will be set right by grasping power and making sure we wield it one way or another. It's a way of thinking about the world we cannot afford to hold as the church of Jesus Christ. The church of the Nativity is a church in Bethlehem in Israel, and it was built in the 4th century right on the site where tradition said Jesus was born on, unfortunately, very small evidence. (laughs) But the door of that church is its only real architectural oddity. It's tiny. It's about this size. From its original size, it was shrunk down actually twice in two separate times to make it easier to defend what's inside from battle. Initially to make sure horses can't get in and then to make sure it's really hard for armed people to get in. So in order to walk into the church now, you have to bend over double. Stoop low. And by now, the metaphor of it is just too good to fix. It's become known as the door of humility. Entering into the life of the church of Jesus Christ is a matter of bending low. Adopting humility and serving others out of this position that I don't have to grasp power and I don't have to be afraid of those who do. Our calling is not to be right. Our calling is to love one another in humility and grace. Can you honestly imagine Jesus trying to get that last word in on the comment section online? Or on Twitter feeds? Do you imagine Jesus being impressed by those who do? That the door of humility is on that very spot where God himself emptied himself only makes the image that much more powerful and important. I warned Pastor Rick that it was going to be a political sermon. It's not his fault. Blame Paul. No. But friends, our world needs to see a better way of seeing the world and living into it. And if the church of Jesus Christ cannot offer that to them right now, then where are they going to see it? Where are they going to hear the plausibility of it? There's a writer, Alexander Schmemann, uh, Eastern Orthodox writer, who talks about the church as the sacrament of the world. The church as that place where people are able to participate in who Jesus Christ is. This is our opportunity to give a taste of who Jesus Christ is. And the more the world around us is torn apart over grasping for power, the more opportunity it is for the church to say, we have something different here, a different way of life together. So friends, if you have any encouragement from Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, and like Paul before me, complete my joy 
by having your souls knit together around Jesus Christ. Amen.